Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to see you guys this weekend. Welcome, everybody, watching online also. Good to be with you. I always miss you when I'm gone, so it's, it's, uh, it's great to be home. We have such an exciting summer here at Grace, and uh, we're kind of in full swing with it. And a couple things that I just want you to be aware of and even participate in. First one is discovery group. And so uh, if, if I ever ask you to do kind of one thing uh, personally for me, it would be to go to discovery group. And uh, if you're newer to Grace, if you feel even disconnected from Grace, if it's just been like a long, long year, uh, discovery group is the place to reconnect. And so that happens this weekend. It'll be Sunday afternoon, and um, it'll be here at the Gent Road facility. We will have Chipotle, so that's for real, and so that's your bribe. And I'll be there and hang out with you and would love for you to do that. Maybe you've been online for a long time, maybe not even been into uh, the buildings here at Grace. Discovery will be a great first step for you to jump in. Uh, you will get your head around the church. You will meet people, uh, get to hang out with some of the past and it's just a good investment. So uh, please take advantage of that if you haven't already. Uh, the other thing that I want you to be a part of is I want you to be a part of praying uh, for missions teams. So we have uh, over 100 people who are leaving in the next seven days on short-term missions trips. Uh, so we had uh, a team leave uh, really early Saturday morning uh, to get down to Mexico. They're there now. We had another team leave Saturday afternoon uh, to go to Philadelphia to one of our urban centers there. And then we have another urban center out in Los Angeles and we'll have a team leave Thursday uh, to go out and be a part of that. So be praying for those, those trips, for the people they're going to minister to, that's a big deal. And then for the people on those trips, that can be a life-changing experience for them. Uh, but Grace will be running kind of all over the planet here uh, all throughout the course of the summer and uh, excited to do that, but really want you to keep those, those folks in prayer as they do that. So it's awesome. Camps are in full swing. We had uh, soccer camp last week. We had 29 kids except Christ last week at soccer camp, which is incredible. And... Um, we had junior camp, a junior high ki uh, camp the week before that. We had almost 30 kids accept Christ in those two camps. And then we'll have more sports camps coming up. So we are back in action here at Grace Church. And uh, it's going to be a, a great, great summer doing all that. So take advantage of it. Be a part of it. And thank you for supporting it. Uh, we're starting a series this weekend uh, called AHA, Defining Moments in Our Life. And uh, excited to get into this series. We want to do something a little different. Uh, we spent the last five, six weeks uh, doing God Is. We just kind of camped out in Exodus chapter 34, did a lot of work in there, talked about Hebrew words a lot and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that was a great series. If you missed any part of it, the website, the app, it's on the podcast. It's all kind of right there. Encourage you to do that. But we wanted to shift gears a little bit and uh, kind of bring a, a different idea to bear here at Grace for the next few weeks. And we wanted to do that by talking about these aha moments in our life where our relationship with God clicks or we realize that it needs to click for us 
in a special way. When we were thinking about these, this series, uh, God brought to mind two conversations that I, that I had that were very impactful for me as a pastor. One was, um, oh, more than a decade ago, I uh, had a, a guy uh, call me and say, can I meet with you? And I said, sure. And so we sat down in my office and uh, I'll never forget the conversation. He sat down with me and he said, I need you to explain something to me. He said, uh, I grew up in church. I grew up in a good church, a church that taught the Bible. I went all the time. Uh, I, have a, I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college. I have all the Bible information that you could possibly have. I've been coming to Grace for six months. He said, can you explain to me why in the last six months I've learned less about the Bible as far as new information that I've ever learned, but my life has changed more. Can you do that math for me? Uh, I'm, I'm not getting all this new information about the Bible, but my life is changing in these radical ways what's happening. And I looked at him and I said, well, welcome to Grace. And I said, here's the thing, depth, spiritual depth is life change, it's not information. And you are falling in love with Jesus and you're falling in love with people and you're giving your life away and you're taking all of that information that you picked up over all those years and suddenly it's being activated by the Holy Spirit and lived out in the lives of other people and it's blowing your mind, isn't it? And he said, that's true. And he had an aha moment in that moment. And it was a life-changing moment for him because he did some math that he had never done before. A second conversation that came to my mind was one I had more recently. And I had a friend, again, call and say, can we hang out? And so we did. And he came into my office and he said, listen, he said, I need to ask you a question. He goes, I know the Bible. I've grown up in a religious setting, so I know the Bible really, really well. I know the do's and the don'ts. I know what God doesn't want me to do. Like that's been drilled into my head. You know, thou shalt not, whatever. And, and these are the things that God doesn't like. He said, I know religion and I've practiced religion my whole life. I said, okay. He goes, but he said, when you talk about God, Jeff, you talk about him as if you love him and you know him. And I don't know what that means. I don't, I, I don't know what it means to love God or to talk, you talk about God like you're a friend, like you hang out with him. And I, I don't understand that at all. Can you explain that to me? What, what do you, when you say that you love God and God loves you and you feel loved by God, what are you talking about? because I wouldn't have any, any of that information. And he had an aha moment. He had an aha moment, like some, something's not right. Like what you're doing is not what I'm doing. And, and I want to understand more what you're doing. And those are moments that all of us need to have. There, there has to be a time in everybody's life, if you want to pursue Christ and know Jesus, there has to be a time when Jesus' truth becomes yours, where Jesus isn't just like a thing that you know about or a system that you participate in or a book that you read, but Jesus kind of connects with you in a way that 
transforms you and changes you and becomes the thing that defines and directs your life. So what we want to do here for the next few weeks is we want to talk about that. How do you find life change and how do you engage those aha moments? And what I can tell you is this, I I know for a fact I can't give you five easy steps to let God change your life. That will not work. Uh, I cannot write another book that says, this is what your problem is. Just do these things and you'll be fine. Because Christ is not a system. He's not a mechanism. He's a person. And just like you would fall in love or just like you would find a friend that you clicked with or, or just like you might click with a, a child or a sibling, you have, you have to click with God. And there's a point where he's got to move kind of from the outside of your life to the inside of your life. And these aha moments is what I found. As I interact with people who truly love Christ, truly feel loved by Christ, and God is a change agent for them, something's clicked. Something that clicked that hasn't clicked before and it's been life altering for them. So aha moments are things that I can describe. Uh, There are stories that I can tell you, but I can't manipulate it for you. It's not a formula. So what we're gonna do over the next few weeks is we're gonna take God's word, of course, and then we're gonna combine that with kind of some personal stories. And myself and some of the other pastors that will be speaking, we're gonna walk you through some of our aha moments. And I think what's gonna happen is that you're gonna find that some of those aha moments are moments that you need to have. Uh, that you've been looking for. You've been looking for a connection with Christ and you find it in moments, but it never seems permanent. Or you've gone through a horrible, you know, 15 months of COVID and you're supposed to be a Christian, but you were depressed and scared and alone and desperate and angry and where was my relationship with God in the middle of all that? Or you've done all of these religious things your whole life but they're the religious things and your real life is different than your church life and it hasn't clicked. And what you'll find is that everyone who is a true follower of Jesus and passionate about that has had these types of moments. Mine may not be yours, but you'll see that there's some kind of encounter where God brings us to a point and those things click, and we all need that to happen at one level or another, right? So aha is what we're gonna talk about here for a little bit. When I think about uh, how God has worked in my life, um, I, and I think about these aha moments, there's three of them that jump out in a, in a big way for me that really cause God to, to make sense for me. So I grew up in church, Christian family. My parents were married for 54 years before they went to be with the Lord. Uh, I went to a Christian school. We went to church a minimum of three times a week. Uh, That was our religious tradition. A good family, loving family, had it all, knew the Bible inside and out. I have formally studied the Bible since I was in the first grade. So I went to a Christian school, so we had to memorize verses and take quizzes on them. And I did that all the way 
way through high school. So I had all of that information. But if I was going to describe my relationship with God before I had an aha, my aha moments, I would have described it the way that Paul described it to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, he says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. And when, when I think about my life, even growing up with all of that background, my private life would have looked a lot like this, right? My public life would have been different, but my private life, boastful, arrogant, abusive, lovers of, of self with unforgiving, slanderous, etc., etc. Now this is what's fascinating. For those of us who are religious, when we see a list like this in scripture and we see all those negative and ungodly behaviors, we tend to think, well, that's somebody out there. Like pagans, godless people. Yeah, that's the way they are. They're unforgiving and they're brutal and they lack self-control and, and that's the way they are. They're, it's like atheists. Yeah, you know the atheists. That's, that's the way they are. Those atheists, they're treacherous and they're conceited and they love pleasure rather than loving God. And we tend to think of people that Paul's describing as people that are out there. But Paul stops and he says, you got to understand something about these people. All those people I just listed, here's the thing that's unique about them, they have a form of godliness. Now here's the thing. Only people who are religious would practice a form of godliness. So atheists don't care if you think they're godly or not, and pagans don't care if you think they're godly or not, and maybe that's their behavior, maybe it's not, but they could give a rip what you think. But religious folk spiritual folk would practice a form of godliness. Their private life would be marked this way, but their public life would be marked that way. And if I was describing my life before my aha moments, I would say that's exactly right. I went to church three times a week. If I was in, the people in church didn't know that I was a lover of pleasure. They didn't know that I was addicted to things. They didn't know that I was arrogant and boastful. They thought I was a great church kid because I showed up all the time. The people at school didn't know that because you got kicked out of my school for stuff like that. So they thought I was a great kid and I got A's on all my Bible quizzes, right? And I, I even have plaques for being godly. I was so good at faking it that I got rewarded for it. I had a form of godliness, but I denied its power. It never changed me. It never transformed my thinking. It never transformed my passions. And it never caused me to follow and love and feel loved and be loved by Christ at all. That never happened, right? And that's the way that my life would have played out. When I was a junior in college, I went out and got a job with a bunch of other college students over in Philadelphia, actually. And when I got together with those kids, I saw something that I had never seen before. I saw people who were religious, who knew the Bible, and who actually 
actually loved God. I had met religious people. I knew people who knew the Bible. But aside from my parents and my siblings, I didn't really know anybody who loved God because my life was marked by the first list that, that Paul wrote to Timothy. The people I fell in with, they lived an Acts 2 kind of a faith. In Acts chapter 2, God is describing how the early church was, people who became followers of Christ. And the Bible says this is what they were like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to, any, to anyone who had need. I ran into these people and they had... They devoted themselves to teaching and prayer and fellowship and sharing their life and living their life with each other. And I had never seen anything like this. These people were weird. They got together to read the Bible and to pray for fun. That thought had never crossed my mind in my life. Because I went to church and you like endured church, right? And so they, they, I remember the first time it happened, they, they, they uh, called me and they said, hey, we're going to get together at so-and-so's apartment and we're going to uh, have uh, prayer time and Bible and worship. Do you want to come? And I wanted to fit in and I liked this girl that was going. So I was like, sure. I know about the Bible. I know about religious things. I'll go do that. They got there. They opened up the Bible. They said, we're going to pray the scriptures. I'm like, what is that? And so what they did was they took one of the Psalms and they just started to read it and then they would pray that what they just read would play out in their lives. I'd never seen this happen before in my life. They would take the Bible at its word, like they treated the Bible like it was real, like it was alive. I'd never seen that. So they would, pray, they would like pray for like boldness and then they would pray that somebody would accept Christ and then they would pray from freedoms from their addictions and their, their sin habits and they would pray for each other and then they would, they, they, somebody had a guitar and they just started singing. I'm like, what is happening right now? And I had, I had never prayed outside of church or school and I had, I had never thought that you would interact with the Bible, I thought you memorized it and took test on it, right? And then doing this like in community, because the people at church to me were just the people that you lied to. You all went to church, faked it, and then went and lived the life that you were actually living. And I had never experienced anything like it. And I had never seen it play out in any way. And it was absolutely mind-boggling to me because I had done all those activities, but I never meant it. And I never did it out of a love for Christ or because I felt loved by Christ. And when I watched all that happen, I had what I'll just call my first aha moment. And here was my aha moment. I realized this, that Jesus was my pastime, he wasn't my passion. That Jesus was a, a historical figure that I knew about. Church was a place that I went. Uh, religion was a thing that I did. But I didn't 
know Christ or feel loved by Christ. I didn't make any of those connections. These guys were doing all that for fun. And then they all got up and went to church together on Sunday. They weren't being rebellious. They weren't doing something else. This was all just like this normal part of their lives. And I had never seen anything like it or been a part of it at all. And I I realized in that moment, my relationship with Christ what I had was not what they had. Like they were doing something different than I was doing, right? And they were experiencing something different than I was experiencing. And, and my experiences with God and their experiences with God had nothing in common with each other because they actually believed and acted on and lived what the Bible taught. It blew my mind. And I realized that God was a pastime for me. He wasn't a passion. He wasn't the center of my life. I didn't even really know what that meant at the time. I just knew that what they had was way more attractive to me than what I had. And I wanted what they had but I wouldn't have even known how to get there with it, right? And I had an aha moment. And there's times in our spiritual journey where God will challenge us and he'll stop us in, in church or with a group of friends at their apartment or wherever. And God will kind of press pause or push into you and say, wait a minute, what you've been doing and how you've been doing that is not what I'm looking for at all. Right? And you can even have the best of intentions, but it's not what I want or how I function or what I need from you or what I want to give from you. Right? And it's an aha moment where you realize that my, my faith is not, it's not that. And I knew that that was genuine and I knew that they weren't faking it, and I knew that my faith was not that, right? Now, that kind of led me then to a a second aha moment, right? And, And this is the way I wrote it in our notes, ready? I said this, you can't smell pictures. So you should write that down. That is the most spiritually deep thing you will ever hear in your life. Get a tattoo, maybe a full sleeve of it right there. You can't smell pictures, right? Life-changing, right? Um, It's a picture of the beach, right? And uh, I was at the beach here a couple weeks ago. You can probably tell by my bronze tan that I got at the beach. But my wife is putting coconut oil on herself at the beach to tan up. I was looking for shade (laughs) cover, right? So we're at the beach. Here's the thing. You look at a picture of the beach. A picture of the beach has almost nothing to do with being at the beach and experiencing it. When I look at a picture of the beach, I can know some facts about the beach and the ocean, right? So I know that this is salt water and it has a salinity to it. And I can probably think a little bit about what salt water would taste like. 
I know that this is sand and I, I understand how sand is made and the, the chemical makeup of sand, but that has nothing to do with my feet sinking in it or the water washing it out from under my feet as I stand on the edge of it and the waves lap in. I understand that there are sea creatures in here. Many of them can kill you at a whim. I understand all that. But that, that has nothing to do with seeing like a, a little, uh, a few dolphins swim and play together. I know they're in there, but to actually see that happen, to actually hear a seagull, to actually see the sun disappear behind the water, to smell the ocean, see? You can't smell a pitcher. And so seeing or knowing actually has very little to do with experiencing. My relationship with God up until this point was all about trying to smell a pitcher. I had very, very good theology. I knew the difference between the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I knew that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I knew that Israel is not synonymous with the church in the New Testament. Therefore, you don't transfer the promises over. Some are to a nation, some are to people. I understand that the pitfalls of prosperity gospel. I knew why it was important to, to be Protestant instead of Catholic. Like, I knew all that. I had great theology. I had great doctrine. I had studied it. I had it drilled into my mind. I knew all kinds of information about God and he fit into a box for me very, very cleanly. I also knew how to function in religion. I knew what to do in church. I knew how to function in Christendom. I knew what to say. I knew all the Christian jokes. I knew how to respond. If you asked me how to go to heaven, I would give you the correct answer and you would feel good about it. I had all of that in my mind and I had all of that in my head, but none of it was transferring into my life. I was reminded of a story in Mark chapter nine. Uh, Jesus was out and about and this, this father brought his son to him and his son had been demon possessed and was tormented by this demon. And in Mark chapter nine, verse 20, the Bible says, so they brought him the son. When the demon saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around and was foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this from childhood? the father answered it often has thrown him into fire or water to kill him and then the father says this to Jesus he says but if if you can do anything take pity on us and help us and I love Jesus reply he goes if you can if you can Jesus said Everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. The father was trying to smell a pitcher. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard that he had cast demons out. He heard that there was this powerful teacher. He probably has some kind of a religious background and knew that he knew that his son had a demon. So he knew about angels and demons and possessions and all that kind of stuff. But when he came to Jesus, he didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the savior. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. 
words, I want to experience your power. He was like, hey, if this information happens to be correct and you could help us, that'd be great. And Jesus looks at him and says, if, if I am all those things, I, 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 you need to experience what I am. If everything is possible, if you believe, and I love the Father's humility, he says, I do believe, I, I've got this information, but I've never experienced it. I've seen the ocean, I know the facts, I understand the salinity, I know what sand is, I know that they're sea creatures. I've never been to the ocean. I never put my toes in it. I've never jumped in and have a fish swim by me and feel the chills and the exhilaration that happens with that. I, if that happens to be true, and Jesus looks at this guy and he says, no, no, it is. It is true. And I am not something that you know about. I am something that you experience. And guys, I'm convinced that we struggle with this. There's, there's a thing right now, it's kind of out there, where people are publicly renouncing Christianity. You guys seen this probably? Famous people, maybe people that you know. And they'll go on Instagram or whatever, and they'll publicly renounce Christianity. And whenever I see that, I think to myself two things. The first thing I think is, I wonder what they're actually renouncing. Are they renouncing information that they never experienced? Are they renouncing systems that have left them empty? Are they renouncing a subculture that doesn't have a lot of meaning into it? Are they going on social media and saying, you know what, I'm done with pictures of the ocean? Or are they, are they renouncing Christ who loves them, gave his life for them? And, and the first option, I'm like, man, I... I almost can relate to that because a lot of that drives me nuts too. The second option, I think, oh my, oh my, their soul. They've, they've hardened their heart toward a loving God. When we try to turn Jesus into information or systems or religious constructs, we don't experience him. And so sometimes we'll renounce that. Sometimes we'll get really, really big into that. We'll, I call it sterilizing our faith. We, we got a box and God fits in this box. And if you got a question, here's your answer. And there's always an answer for every question that you have. And it's always a clean answer. And if it's not in this box, then it doesn't exist. And, and when you get outside that box, it makes you nervous. So when I talk about God loving you or the spirit leading you or God being a mystery, there's some of you right now listening to me and your alarm bells are going off. And you're like, oh, I don't, maybe he went liberal. I don't know. He's saying things that don't, I just don't know. He's talking about mysteries and the Holy Spirit. What next? Right? It would freak us out because we've sterilized our relationship with God. And if you know everything about God and can answer everything about God, the tragedy is that means you don't know him because he himself calls himself a mystery. But we'll, we'll memorize the picture 
and never put our foot in the ocean. Sometimes we'll do that by customizing our faith. We'll just pick the parts we want, ignore the parts that we don't. Sometimes we'll do that by being passive. Yeah, I serve at church, I give some money, I know a few verses, I'm good, I've arrived, right? And this wondrous, glorious, mysterious creator of the heavens and the earth, we've reduced to a spiritual postcard and we haven't experienced or embraced. And when I met those people, when I was in college, I was like, I, what they're doing is not what I'm doing. And they weren't weird. There was no weird stuff going on. They weren't worshiping cats or cheering for Michigan or something. They, they, they were normal everyday people who were trying to live the scriptures and embrace the scriptures and experience it. And I literally had never seen it before. And their faith was alive and their faith was active and their faith was real and that was not my faith. Now I took all of that and I had a third aha moment and this is what I came to realize. I realize that if there's not an I do, there's automatically an I don't. The Bible says that what Jesus wants from us is to love him. So the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself is the second and it's like it. And he's like, that's what I want. I want to love you and be loved by you. And I realize that that's a relational thing. It's not an informational thing or a systematic thing. So there's a point I realized that, that I had to choose to have a relationship with God. And I didn't even really know how to do that. But I knew enough about it that, that in order to have a relationship with somebody, you have to be willing to, right? So if I wanna build my life around someone, I have to make a decision to do that. 28 years ago, I decided to build my life around Heidi and she decided to build her life around me. And I'm fully aware that when we were at the altar, when the preacher looked at me and said, Jeff, will you love Heidi for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, sickness and health, to death do you part? If so, say I do. If I did not say I do in that moment, then what I did, whether the words came out of my mouth or not, is I said I don't. Because in a life-altering relationship, you're either in or you're out. There's nowhere in the scripture that allows you to tiptoe or dabble in a relationship with God. And I knew that. I knew the Bible well enough that I, had, I could see it. There's, there's parts of the Bible, Mark chapter 10, where a rich young ruler comes and says, I got an education, I got a religious background, uh, I want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus is like, okay, this is what it means to follow me. And the Bible says he walked away. He said, I don't. He never renounced his faith. He didn't go on Yahweh.com, you know, and say, I, I, I reject all Christianity. He, 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 he just walked away. He, he didn't say, I do, so he said, I don't. 
There's another part, actually, Matthew, Mark chapter 9. There's a lady that she has, the Bible says she has an issue of blood. She has a health problem. She can't quit bleeding. And she's looking for healing. And so she had heard that Jesus was a healer. So she, in essence, crawled her way through a crowd. The Bible says she's touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. She said, I do. It wasn't just cognitive information for her or like church her parents made her go to. She's like, I believe that he's God. And she said, I do. And God changed her life. And I knew those stories. And I knew that what my friends had was not what I had, but I also knew that what my friends had is what I wanted. So I went out that night. My parents weren't with me. My church wasn't with me. There was no pressure with me. I just kind of went out and sat by myself in a soccer field. I started reading the Bible a little bit. And I came to this passage in the Bible. It's a very famous one where Jesus walked on the water. And when I read that passage, it's when I had this aha moment. Because I thought this to myself, he either walked on the water or this is the stupidest thing that's ever written. Jesus's claims are outlandish unless they're true. He raised himself from the dead. That is ridiculous unless it's true. He walked on the water. That is stupid unless it's true. And I realized that I had to have an in or out moment here where I was gonna accept Christ as Lord and God, which automatically means I am not Lord and God. And his claims and his claim on my life were either legitimate or they all had to be thrown away. There was no way to tiptoe around that. And what I saw in those people where they were secure, because I wasn't. They were happy, because I wasn't. I, I was all about impressing you. Scared to death what you actually thought of me. I was fake. They weren't. They meant what they were doing. I didn't. And I had this aha moment where I realized, oh, they chose to believe this and I haven't. I know the answers, I just don't believe them. And in order to have the relationship with God that they have and I want, I was gonna have to put my faith choosing to believe that Jesus was actually who he says he was. I was going to have to go in. So if I didn't go in, it was an automatic out, right? Faith is this. Faith is choosing to believe what you cannot and will never fully understand. God is a mystery. He says that about himself. God is beyond us. He says that about himself. You, if you think you have your head around God, you don't have a, a healthy relationship with God. It's impossible. So we live by faith. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I choose to believe what I know that I don't fully understand. 
I wanted it to be true. I desired for it to be true. And I knew I was not ready to walk away from it. And I knew it was an in and out. And just like standing at the altar with Heidi, when I said I do 28 years ago, I had no idea, she certainly had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We just knew that we wanted to be in that together. So we chose to believe. We didn't understand the law. We didn't have kids. We hadn't lost any of our parents. We didn't have financial problems. We We hadn't had any life under our belt. But we chose to love and to trust each other regardless of the circumstances. And I knew that's what had to boil down with God. And this is what happens. Without faith, I can't take that first step with God if I don't choose to believe what I cannot and will not fully understand. But when I do choose to believe that, he rewards me. What does he reward me with? Deeper faith. See, if I said, when the pastor said, Jeff, if so, say I do. If I was quiet, I just said I don't. And I would have walked away from my life of faith with Heidi. Because I said I do, what I have is I have life with her. I have a deeper love for her than I could possibly describe. Because I didn't know it existed. Because I'd never said I do. The faith and the life and the love that Christ wants for you, and wants to give you, Maybe the reason you don't have it is you've never chosen it. I go to church and you can't smell pictures. I know good theology, I know the Bible. You can't smell pictures. You have to go into the ocean. You have to say, yet you have to experience And I watched my friends, and I praise God for them. I still talk to some of them. And they showed me something I had never seen. I didn't know I'd never seen it. I would have told you I was a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? I know the Bible. I can tell you how to go to heaven. I can quote you the Romans road, and I go to church all the time. But I had a form of godliness. And when you looked at my life, it did not play out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all the results of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that wasn't my life. I knew that verse, but that wasn't my life. But when I saw it, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be real. I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to be free. I wanted to be secure. But I had to choose, see? So I did, I did. That night in the soccer field, (laughs) by myself, I told God, I'm yours. Do what you want. (laughs) I don't know what you're getting out of this deal. But I want this to be real. And I choose to believe it. 
The Bible says we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I choose to believe it and we'll work it out as we go. Heidi, I love you, I do. I choose to accept you and we'll work it out as we go. And I quit staring at a picture and started swimming in an ocean and it's been a life-altering thing. It's been a life-altering thing. Guys, nobody ever told me this. Nobody, nobody ever told me God loves me. That's why I tell, that's why I say it here all the time. You guys are probably like, we know. I'm like, I, I repeat it. I'm like, I don't want anybody to ever walk out of Grace Church and not know that Christ loves them. Nobody told me that. They told me he was mad at me. They told me I was a sinner. They told me all the wicked things that I did. They were even right about all of it, but they didn't tell me God loves me. I didn't know that. They didn't, nobody told me God wanted me. They, they told me that I was the sin, a sinner in the hand of an angry God being dangled over the fires of hell and only by his begrudging mercy did he not let me go. Nobody ever told me that his arms were open wide and he wanted a sinner to run to him and be forgiven. I didn't know that. I didn't even know it could be real. I just thought you faked it and made networks with people and got ahead by being a Christian. I didn't even know that church was real. I thought church was an obligation where you just all showed up, lied to each other, and then went on with your life. I didn't know that. But God ran me into an aha. He ran me into a group of people that for me was life-changing. And somebody told them, and they actually lived it, and it blew my mind. And I just wanted what they had. I just wanted what they had. And I found out that it's what God was trying to give me all along, right? I don't know where Jesus has you right now, but I know where he wants you. I know where he wants you. He wants you to know that he loves you that he is rich in mercy and full of grace. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to be real. He doesn't want you to fake it. He knows anyways. So does everybody else, by the way. He wants you to be real. And he wants to go through life with you. Right? But you have to say, I do. You have to say, I do. Not just to getting out of hell, but like the whole thing. I said, I do to Heidi. She has said, I do to me. We were like, you know what? We're in. To what? I don't really know, but we're in. And by faith, see, by faith, right? Okay. Jesus, help us with this. God, I believe that you set up divine appointments and so I know that there's people here and online who need to have an aha moment so that's why you connected them this weekend. You love them so you've intervened because this is the conversation that you needed to have and wanted to have with them. 
Lord, some of us, we know Christianity and church stuff so well that we can fake and lie to anybody. Our form of godliness is so refined and so perfected that the world would be shocked if they knew what our life was actually like. Lord, to that person who's a fake and a liar and a hypocrite, you want them to know that you love them and you accept them where they're at and you want them to run to you. So in this moment, would you help them with their unbelief? Because some of us have lost our stability and our strength and our got lost in the fog of the last year and a half and we need to come home we need to repent of some sin and renew and be genuine and honest God would you help them to know that you love them and your arms are open wide and Lord some are searching filled our lives with materialism and sex and addictions and sin and self and would you break us would you bore to the the joint and the marrow God and break us so that you can rebuild us and restore us and to allow us to be who you've created us to be. God, in these moments, would you help us to surrender in a different way, in a new way, and to embrace this moment that you've brought us into.